0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Back Power. Today we have the lovely Jenny sharing her story, which was a emergency cesarean that happened. And it's honestly such a powerful, powerful story that she's gonna be sharing with us today. So I'm really, really excited to have you here with us today, Jenny. Thank you so much for giving of your time. And please feel free to introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Jenny, and I had a second emergency cesarean kind of six weeks ago now, following on from doing Kemi and Carmen's course. So, trying to have a VBAC. So, my plan was to have a VBAC, and I did everything I possibly could in my power to do that their course, lots of chiropractic care, kind of empowering myself as much as possible, forgiving. What had happened the first time around, lots of visualization and kind of working through it with my husband as well, birth debriefs, et cetera. But unfortunately for me, despite uh, going into labor naturally and being super informed in what had happened and empowered in making my decisions in terms of saying no to inductions, I went into labor at 41 plus 13. So I'm sure you can imagine the pressures that I was under from the hospital to have inductions. I ended up having an emergency cesarean due to something called a bandles ring which I think Kemi might explain what that is and then I'll go into more detail.
2: I'd love to explain. So Bandel's ring, because they're quite rare, we can't draw a lot of conclusions from them, but there does seem to be a correlation between Bandel's ring and a caesarean at some point. So what tends to happen is with the usual contractions, you will have longitudinal muscles shortening So that's the ones that go up and over the uterus. You've got the oblique layer as well, but the longitudinal muscles shorten throughout the labor. So it makes a shorter uterus, which kind of forcing your baby out. And then you've got the cervical muscles at the cervix. So the round muscles there, which relax. So whilst the longitudinal muscles contract and shorten, the cervical muscles at the cervix relax and open. What we think when it comes to the bandel's ring is the longitudinal muscles, which would have been cut through with a previous caesarean, that they are not or they are shortening and opening the cervical muscles, but the cervical muscles are restricted in their opening So it may not be, it may be that they're not as relaxed, or it may be there's a disconnection between the coordination of the two. But what happens is a a ring of muscle gets backed up somewhat near the previous cesarean wound site. So it's usually near the lower section of the uterus and you'll feel a bunching of muscles. So it feels like a ring, the thick ring that goes around near the lower section. And the longitudinal muscles are not able to shorten beyond where they've already shortened. And the cervical muscles are not able to open beyond where they've opened. Mm. So you'll normally have uh, cervical muscles that the baby is pressing against and not able to open in the usual way. And so if left, the baby can get in distress trying to get out. And also if left, there's chance that you could have a uterine rupture because of the bandle's ring. So,
0: yeah, the chief wow. ring. Mm, amazing. It's such a valuable description for our for our audience to know because not many people know what a bandle's ring is. I mean, I certainly only came across it from you mentioning, I think you had one person that you supported that had a... Uh-huh. Yeah. Tip one, yeah. And all of yours of your experience, you've had one person only. That's and then you one. shared that story with me and I was like, oh, what is that? Like I'd never heard about a bandle's ring before. Mm. So, yeah, obviously when we we heard mm. that Jenny had had this experience, we thought this would be a super valuable you know, share for the audience to, really. to realize. So, yeah, absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing that beautiful explanation, Kemi. Yeah. So, Jenny, do you want to just share a little bit in terms of the lead up to or even maybe sharing a little bit before of your your first birth experience? How was that in comparison to, to this birth?
1: Of course. So um, my first birth was during COVID, so very restricted. And I think probably I focused too much on kind of understanding the system rather than understanding my body and what I was capable of doing. And I think both my husband and I were quite pressurized into making decisions about our daughter's birth that ultimately ended in an emergency cesarean. Emergency, yes, because she really was quite distressed and she wasn't very well when she was born. But had the interventions not happened, we probably wouldn't have ended up in that situation. But we didn't feel informed enough to say no. So it's definitely a learning experience. And so when after she was born, we said, if we have a second child, then we're absolutely going to know. The system, we're going to do as much as we possibly can to be as informed as possible and to make all of our own decisions. So from the day she was born, well before we were pregnant again, we started that that journey of kind of reading, understanding, finding the right people to, to teach us what we needed to know. And so going into, once I was pregnant for the second time, we looked for courses that we could do to support a VBAC. So for example, the one that you two offer and we became really informed in what we were going to do and how to navigate the system I didn't want to go back to the same hospital that I'd birthed my daughter in and because of where we live on a border of two counties it meant birthing in a county that we don't live in so home birth unless we've been able to afford a private midwife wasn't a possibility for us because we were changing trusts to birth in and the conversation I had with the VBAC midwife at the trust we were moving to was incredibly positive, and as was the consultant, to be honest. So we had a really good conversation with them and decided that that's where we were going to, to birth our second child and that we would do everything we can to be as informed as possible. So, yeah, we did the different courses and went from there from 40 weeks. We started getting quite a lot of pressure to have an induction, especially because she was measuring big. She didn't turn out to be big. She was eight pounds three, so fairly fairly standard, but they were suggesting she was close to 10 pounds at at 39 weeks. But luckily, I was able to say, I know that these scans can be fairly questionable in, in what they're saying. And I don't feel any bigger than I did last time. My daughter was seven, eight when she was born at 42 weeks and I don't I don't feel like there's a big baby. And the consultant said, Well, actually, I tend to agree with you. So he was very happy for me to to kind of go away after that thirty-nine week scan and and wait for labor to start with the proviso that I came in at forty plus eleven to check how the baby was doing. So at forty plus eleven Sorry. and
2: I um, just um point out because you know I would point out the coercions when we say 40 plus 11 it indicates that everything stops the world stops your 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 uterine ability falls off a cliff at 40 weeks it's a coercion it's to give you the impression oh my God you're 11 days party oh you're 13 days party, you're going to explode. Whenever you're telling this story from now on, let's call it what it is, which is 41 weeks and four days or it's 41 okay. days, yeah? You, you're not yep. some time bomb. You're a healthy woman carrying a healthy child. You're okay.
0: I never realized they did that. Like maybe, oh, God, this just, yeah.
2: How were they calling? <laughs> So they'll call that at least when they're talking to Jenny, they'll say, Oh, she's forty. You're you're forty plus never, you know, everyone's gonna die. <laughs> but when they're talking to each other, they'll go one further, they'll call
0: it T oh my. Yeah, I've heard the two I've heard that. T-, t plus something. I've heard that. Wow. Yeah, no, now that you're connecting the dots together, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God. Yeah, that is totally, totally coercion. Yeah, at full force.
2: Sorry, Jenny, carry on. No, don't worry at
1: all. So so we went in on on that day, it was a Thursday and they said, so you're going to be induced? And I said, no. And so a a consultant (laughs) came to see me and said, well, your baby's measuring very big, we're very concerned and all the rest of it. And he got quite quite angry luckily my husband stepped in and said well ultimately she might be this due date it might be this many days past her due date but we don't know we don't really believe the due date anyway based on, <laughs> on knowing their cycles so Good man. let's check the baby's okay let's listen to its heart rate happy to be monitored for for 20 minutes or so and then we'll go home and so he he wasn't very happy but that's what we did we monitored He
2: wasn't very happy because it was his baby. Was it? Was it the consultant's baby?
1: No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I think he was just happy that we were going against against the guidance. But um. I'm um, being obtuse. My point is, how do? No,
2: of to, course. Who loves your baby more than you and your husband?
1: So um, we were very happy that the uh, movements were really good and and good. the uh, monitoring was fine, and so we did that, and then we went home. And just continue to to do our preparation of visualizations and just just get ready for when she was ready to come that that she would come. Well, we didn't know she was a she at that point, but yeah. So yeah. absolutely. And then on the Friday, I saw my community midwife because that's that was in the diary anyway. And again, heart rate was absolutely fine. So we continued to to go on our path of going into spontaneous labor and yeah. having a VBAC. So on the Friday evening, I had a few contractions and uh, sorry about the background noise, she's getting a bit cross. <laughs> I had some contractions, but they were bearable. So I went to bed and woke up on Saturday morning and they were continuing. And I was supposed to go to the hospital again on the Saturday to to be checked again. But I phoned and I said, I'm happy with where I'm at. Something's, something's happening. So we're going to stay at home because home's where where we need to be. And so that kind of continued on and contractions were on and off so we went for a walk and and did things like that trying to get them going a bit more and then on the saturday evening i went they stopped so we decided to just go to bed and and see see what happened would happen the next day and then i woke up about half past 11 i guess and they were really intense kind of came really thick and fast and i said to my husband these are quite painful and I'm struggling to breathe through them and I'm not really getting a break. And he said to me, well, let's just stay because our plan always was to stay at home for as long as humanely possible and go give ourselves the 25 minutes to get to hospital for the delivery because we needed, we, we felt we needed somebody there, but didn't want to kind of be open to interventions. And so we carried on and I got back into bed and tried to, to deal with these contractions. And then I said to him I really think we need to go and go and be checked like this is this isn't what I expected this is incredibly Mm. painful in my Mm. first birth I did labor to 10 centimeters so Mm. I I knew what it should feel like yeah and it was worse than with the oxytocin drip so I knew that maybe something wasn't wasn't quite right very good that you were in touch with what was happening and able to
2: make that kind of
0: judgment call
1: yeah and I think that was part of it you know I think the preparation and, and really understanding your body and knowing what, what you can cope with and what things should mm. feel like really helped with that. So I got out of bed and had a proper movie-style water-breaking as I stood up, which my husband was very unhappy I- with, because <laughs> it was all over our carpet. And he said to me, do you think we should stay at home a little bit longer? And I said, no, there's there's something going on here. I don't know what it is, but but there's something wrong. And so... We went, we went to the hospital and when we got there, I agreed to be monitored just to see what was happening and the heart rate was dropping and staying low with every contraction and you weren't wow. seeing a break in the contractions. So they were kind of peaking and then coming down to a certain level but not wow. dropping away completely. And so I agreed to speak to, to the doctor that was on duty straight away because they were, they were concerned and she said to me, And I did agree to an examination because I wanted to know where I was. You know, if I was nine centimeters, then that that could have been a very different story. But I was five, and so she said to me, "You've got two options: either we go to theatre straight away, or I'll give you an hour. But I'm concerned, and if within an hour there's no progress or little progress, we'll have to go to theatre anyway." Mm -hmm. And my husband had a really long conversation, and he was very much, "We should give it an hour. Absolutely, give it an hour. You know." We've prepared for this. Your body's capable of doing it. This is what we need to do. And I said to him, I said to him, no, there's something wrong. We need to go now. It took about half an hour for the test to come and to kind of chat through everything and the risks and, and kind of prepare me. And by the time I got to theatre, I was so agitated. I'm quite a calm person. I, I'm not really somebody that that kind of snaps at people or shouts or anything like that. But I was so agitated and I was saying to everybody in the theatre, you have to hurry up, come on, hurry up, hurry up. It's something really concerned. And it was just, it was like this maternal instinct took over and I was so in control because I'd made that decision to go to theatre, but I knew something was up and I said to them, you've got to do something, please go faster, go faster. And then obviously once they once they made the incision, they found that that ring was there. And I just knew, you know, I knew that something was up and it's, it was so terrifying, but also empowering that I'd made that decision and that I knew my body and that I knew that there's something was wrong. And I guess, and it was difficult because the, the registrar that did the surgery was fantastic, but she'd never seen it before. She was born and she was really well and like straight onto my chest and I breastfed her, but we ended up being in theater for 90 minutes because they had to wait for a consultant to come and check that absolutely everything was everything I put back together properly and and things like that but I mean I was so yeah so that's kind of what happened and I guess my message and why I messaged Carmen afterwards was because two things one I would love women who are planning a VBAC to know about this just because I had no risk factors for it other than the previous cesarean in terms of age you know all those kind of things I didn't labor for a long time normally it's They said that there's kind of a correlation between laboring for a long time that number one that 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 there is something that can happen and two really you know your body and if something doesn't feel right and you feel agitated and I think from what I understand and you'll probably back me up or correct me on this often if you're going to have a rupture as well you get that same level of agitation and maternal instinct and if you feel that don't don't be afraid to to kind of Give in, or or like it's not even give in, but don't be afraid to say actually having another cesarean when it's on my terms is okay. And if you want to have more babies, you know we have so many stories about people having VBACs after two cesareans. It could it can still happen for you, you know. But just be super aware of your body, and if you feel that level of agitation or that or that pain, then don't hesitate to get support because there are true emergencies it's about there and they do happen and yeah. yeah advocate for yourself and and be be your be your advocate and or your partner or your doula be your advocate because absolutely sometimes it, sometimes it's needed and and just listen to yourself listen to your body because despite having another cesarean and and the disappointment of that i'm not disappointed no because the courses that i did and the work that i did made me so empowered in my decisions that actually My recovery has been better than the first time round. I feel positive about what happened. She's a much healthier baby than the first time round. And I'm so grateful for the work that that you two do in empowering women to make their own decisions, because that was a decision and it was the right one for this situation. It It was
2: the right one. And I think because you'd really acquainted yourself, and like you said, the first time you were headed for a vaginal birth until the very last minute, and you know, you're aware of how it felt and you were able to compare it with how you were feeling this time carrying this baby. Also, like, you know, the risk, you know, if, if the first caesarean hadn't happened, then as far as I'm aware, vandal's rings don't happen unless you've got a wounded uterus. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been...
1: I think I have read some people saying they've had them in the first birth where they've been right. induced and they've had a dream because they can they are also, from what I've read since I had it, they yeah. are also associated with a prolonged labour.
2: Right. Okay.
1: Interesting.
2: And so the prolonged labour would have been maybe the initiation of labour and it taking the days that it can take with an induction. I get yes. it.
1: Yeah. So I think that does, because I have read some people asking if they can have a, a back after a bandel's ring with only on their first pregnancy. Yeah. But I think it tends to happen with an induction rather than like spontaneous
2: labor yeah because mm-hmm. I am aware or oh, I remember being so surprised when the, I think this woman had had two cesareans and then she had the second one or so banddals ring then she went and had another baby and finished the birth in the water so oh, well wow. then it, it didn't occur so she had a bandel's ring and then went and had a vaginal spontaneous birth afterwards also wanted to celebrate. That because you and your hubby were standing so strong and so well prepared, your daughter got to send her signal to be born, and then start the process with the squeezes, etc. And with you know, her lung secretions probably getting dried up because of the physiological labour. Um, you know, it means that she was born in, in great condition, right? There being a bandol's ring and the fact that you gave her a spontaneous labour. So it's when she was ready, you know, not anyone else saying that she was ready. So that's a really thing as well.
1: And so absolutely the difference between her and my daughter that I was induced with was huge in terms of their the first few days after the cesarean, you know, huge difference. And I think the power that that your course gave us in set in having the ability to say, No, we're not gonna be induced when we were I don't know, 41 plus 6 or 7 or yeah. wherever we may have been was, was fantastic. And, yeah, just just that was incredible. So thank you. Oh, gosh, thank you're
2: you. Welcome. <laughs> it's, there are so many blessings to this story. The other thing, you know, obviously everyone's going to pick it up, whatever is good for them, but I really want to highlight the fact that you could chibi them on, that you were able to say, no, this needs to happen, it needs to happen now you and you were heard and the thing is as well like with your husband you know like I'm aware not many but occasionally like a woman might be going for a birth and and then she says I, I want an epidural and she uses a safe word and then her, her partner will quiz her about her decision making you know I know that that didn't happen with you your husband I, I'm sure he would be the one saying she said it has to happen now you know, because from the birthplace study they found in the supplemental study, they found that men were much more likely to be listened to in the birthroom than women, which is odd considering it's the woman that's giving birth. But that's what they found. So I can imagine that you're mm-hmm. you're, you're backing you up, trusting you, saying, look, no, she's she's we're switching to prime C. You know, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. I love yeah. it.
0: I love one thing that I want to highlight is the way that you stepped into the power and you kind of your your internal instinct just kind of came through and you knew you were like no something's up something needs to happen and that's the thing a lot of women people out there don't realize that that is actually in them they've yeah. got that power in them right but it's been closed down by society by you know being a good girl listening doing as you're told that they don't really get to tap into your their true innate self which you did jenny and you did that beautifully like i just want to highlight that that's a a huge huge gift that we all carry you know and if we can tap into it more like even better yeah yeah oh this has been amazing oh. thank then you me- so much
2: and your little nugget she's done very well you're thank funny. you yeah. Luckily
1: she hasn't too cross <laughs> but yeah thank you both so much and i i hope that this might might help someone else to oh to really gosh, feel really strongly us. and really advocate beautiful. for themselves
0: oh thank you so much jenny thank you again for for coming on and for sharing your story really appreciate you thank you